Well, we've been in this series uh, that we've been calling Living in 4D. Living in 4D. And we've been unpacking a little bit as to what, what in the world are we talking about. And the first week as we ventured into this, this idea of, of living in 4D, living a four-dimensional Christian life, we looked, at, we looked at, at three questions, three questions that kind of begin uh, the wheels turning. The first question is, what is true freedom? Now, I, I go through these recaps, not as a means of torturing you, but as a, as a means of wanting to just get us up to speed, because I recognize we're not always here every week. And so that first question, what is true freedom? Now, freedom is a word that we use flippantly a lot of times, and freedom, we discovered, isn't being able to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. Rather, freedom is being who it is that you were created to be. So God created you in the image, in the image of God, and he created you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And so as such, true freedom is actually being who God created you to be. And being that you are created in God's image, you are either then in submission or in servanthood or a slave to God or you're a slave to the world. You're in submission to the world. And so that's the other question that we ask. What are you a slave to? Is your hierarchy God, you, and the world or is it the world, you, and then in a vain attempt, God, right? And then the last question that we ask is then are you a 4D Christian? Are you giving God the best of what he's given you physically mentally, emotionally, and certainly spiritually. And then last week, last week we looked at, at three um, statements uh, that encompass this whole idea of being vulnerable. And specifically the phrase, love vulnerability. Learn to love vulnerability. You know, we looked at uh, uh, 2 Corinthians um, 12 where Paul was talking about how we are jars of clay. We are these fragile vulnerable jars of clay that are prone to easily being broken. And yet, when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, Paul tells us that these fragile, vulnerable jars of clay are then, uh, are then the holders of God's treasure. And that treasure is Jesus Christ. So the question is, why in the world, why in the world would God put his treasure in something so fragile? Well, life will happen. We discovered, you know, or not discovered because everybody knows that. Life happens. It's difficult. We have our highs and our lows and it ebbs and it flows. And when life happens, we're struck. We receive cracks. Our, our jars, our lives become, become uh, uh, visible in, in their uh, attack uh, that, the, that the world and life dishes out. And when we receive the treasure, and that treasure is placed inside of that vulnerable jar of clay, even though those cracks appear, we don't break into a bunch of pieces because that treasure has provided us the strength, the strength that is God's. And so when those cracks appear, our cracks aren't visible. Rather, it's, it's God who is who's visible. So the, the focus isn't on us. It's focused on what's keeping those pieces together. So we need to love vulnerability because Paul says that when we are weak, then God is strong. And then last week, we had a, we had a great time in talking and put, uh, uh, putting light on the issue of, of mental health. 
and specifically in the form of, of depression. And we looked at three things that as a church we need to be able to say willingly and openly. One is that we as a church, as a, as a small C, uh, lower, lowercase c church, North Haven, and as a capital C church, we can and should be a community that's safe for those who suffer. And then suffering, if that's you, that is not an indication of your value or your worth. And then lastly, together, the church, we can bring and should bring the issue of mental illness into the light. We can't ignore because it's a difficult conversation to have. Because if we do that, it's going to sit and fester and rot in the corner. Rather, we need to shine a light on it and say, hey, God cares about this issue, and so we should care about this issue as a church. And walk with those who suffer and tell people that, suffer, that do suffer, including myself, that God loves you and that there is hope. And to walk with each other. That's what we need to do as the church. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of land this plane and as we've been delving now into the, the, the physical health and the emotional health and the mental health and how all of that is, is important in the, the life of a believer because that's giving God the best of all that he's given you, today now we're going, to, we're going to finish by looking at spiritual health and specifically how is it that you can know whether you are spiritually healthy? How can you know whether you are spiritually healthy? Back in 1967, 1967, I was minus nine years old, and there was, there was an oil tanker that was one of the largest ships in the world named the SS Torrey Canyon. Has anybody ever heard of the SS Torrey Canyon? Well, it was one of the, mo the worst environmental disasters in the modern era. And this ship, this oil tanker, was captained by Captain Ruggiati. And here's a picture of him on the SS Torrey Canyon. He was a confident, experienced sailor who had been doing this for, for a long time and had made these, these voyages and these trips, you know, countless times. And here in this particular moment, in March of 1967, he and the SS Torrey Canyon, along with his crew, they're going through the channels um, off the coast of uh, Cornwall, England, in order to get at port. And they were under a time crunch. They were under a time crunch because their ship could only uh, come in in high tide. And that was only going to last for another hour. And if they missed that time window, it was going to take six days then for that tide to get to the level that they needed to be able to get to port. So they were under a time crunch, but they still had time to make the appropriate maneuvers in order to get through the smaller of the two channels, which was going to get them to where they needed to be faster. But this is an experienced captain. And so they're heading straight towards the Seven Stones Reef, and they know that they can't you know, hit the Seven Stones Reef or else they're going to get hung up on that and, and then all is lost. They know that they have to continue in a straight course in order to get to a certain point where they can begin the long, you know, turn because you would imagine with a ship that when it's on its end is about the, the height of the, uh, the Chrysler building. And this is a big ship. 
And so they're heading towards the Seven Stones Reef, and they, they get to the point where they got to start turning. And so they begin trying to turn, but they can't. The, the ship isn't responding at all, and they're turning desperately and desperately, and it's not, it's not turning at all. It's just continuing to go straight towards the Seven Stones Reef. And so they continue to just focus on this steering and trying again and again and again to turn, to turn only to find it continue to go straight and eventually get to that, you know, that point of no return where all hope is lost and there's no matter, even if they did turn, they were still going to hit that, and of course they did. They hit the Seven Stones Reef, they came up on top of that, those rocks, and it caused, like I said, one of the biggest environmental disasters in the modern era where oil just plummeted out of that ship. The reason I bring that up is because there's a condition that's more uh, widely known in aviation circles called plan continuation bias. Um, it's, it's sometimes called as um, uh, get there syndrome. Plan continuation bias is defined as this, the unconscious cognitive bias to continue with the original plan in spite of changing conditions or dangerous conditions or inevitable danger. See, when as, as the SS Torrey Canyon was going towards the, the, the seven, uh, those, those stones, that reef, and they were trying desperately to turn, if they had only, if Captain Ruggiati had only stopped, just stepped back for a moment and assessed the situation, he would have seen that the autopilot was switched on. It was right there. And all they needed to do was... Plan continuation bias is something that we experience in our own lives. We get so transfixed on a course that is leading us into danger, that is leading us into a situation that we should avoid, but we're so... You were so honed in on that, we failed to take a step back to pray and then to respond. Spiritual health, I would say, is defined as, as this. Spiritual health is a transformed, unadulterated, and growing commitment to God. Now, those are intentional words there. So transformed, we're going to unpack a little bit about what that word means, but transformed, unadulterated, meaning it's, it's not, it's not uh, mixed with anything. It is, it is pure. It is focused on God and God alone and a growing commitment to God. The meaning it is constantly moving. It is constantly pursuing God. It isn't stagnant. It isn't still. So a transformed, unadulterated, growing commitment to God. So how is it that you obtain spiritual health and how is it that you can know that you are spiritually healthy? Well, Paul addresses uh, these questions in, in Romans 12 and I want to invite you to turn to Romans 12. That's in the New Testament right after um, the, uh, the Gospels and Acts. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want to invite you to you grab a Bible uh, in front of you. Um, otherwise, it'll be on the screen, like it is right now, or you can go to your Bible app. But we're going we're gonna to spend time in, in this passage, but specifically um, verses 1 and 2, and then even more pointedly in verse 2. 
But we're going to read this, read this together here. Starting in verse 1, chapter 12 of Romans. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I believe that in these, in these verses, and specifically in verse 2, are the necessary ingredients to spiritual health. So I want to unpack that for you. So the first phrase that we're going to look at is, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Now that word that Paul is using, conform, when we look at the Greek translation, so the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, that word is siskamatio. I always struggle with saying this. And that word, that word conform means conforming to a pattern or a mold. So it means being shaped in the image of the world. It means, it means being in step with the world, but being so identified and synonymous with the world that it's, it's hard to even decipher or differentiate you from the world. You could almost say that this, world, that this word is uh, maybe an early example of, of the idea of cloning. So don't be a clone of the world. Don't be so molded and shaped to be identical to the world that you're in step with where the world is going. So Paul here is saying stand out. And, and specifically, this is what he's saying he, when he's saying don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. He's saying stop. Now one of the things that was pointed out to me um, after first service, and I, I just love this, I think I'm so grateful when people have insights and ideas and I invite that. Um, and someone came to me, and they, they, they shared even more with me about the, the, the roots of this word and, and how this word, um, this Greek word, is, isn't saying that it could happen where you could be conformed, but it's saying that it is happening. And so there's urgency with that. And I, I appreciate that because when we think of, of how it is that we need to respond to this, it, it's a matter of urgency, that left to our own devices, we will be and are conformed to the world. That's not necessarily a choice that you make. It's that when, when God's not involved, that is happening. And so as such, we have to do a three-step approach. Similar to stop, drop, and roll, we have to stop, pray, and respond. So when we think of planned continuation bias, this, this narrowing in on a destructive path, the first step is to stop. Take a moment. Pray. And then respond. Because God never fails in, in leading us in the way that He wants us to go. Okay, so don't be conformed. Don't be um, in, in, in the mold of the world, right? But then Paul says, but be transformed, be transformed. And that word uh, is, 
metamorpho, and that means changed in form. That is saying, Paul's saying that when you're transformed, that you were one thing in form, and now you are completely different in form. Now, we're going to not venture into these verses for the sake of time, but this word transformed is the same word that is used to describe the transfiguration of Jesus with his disciples. So Jesus was with a few of his disciples, and all of a sudden he changed in form and appearance, and, w- and his disciples were awestruck. They, Jesus became a completely different version of himself. And that's what Paul's saying here, is that when you are transformed, you are a completely different version of yourself. It is so obvious to those that see you that transformation has taken place. So Paul says, don't be conformed, Don't be made in the mold of the world. Don't be a clone of the world. Don't be identical to the world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Now, a person experiences, this is what Paul's saying, a person experiences transformation only when he or she renews their mind. That's what Paul's saying here. See, the mind is neutral. The mind is essentially neutral in that when your mind is influenced by evil or by the things of the world, then you will produce evil. You will produce the things of the world. When your mind is influenced by the things of God and the things of the Holy Spirit, then your life will produce the things of God and the Holy Spirit. Your mind is neutral. And it will follow in step with the choices that you make. But this is the most important part about these two aspects of this process of spiritual health. And that is this. When Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's this. Transformation is done to you and the renewing is done by you. What am I saying there? I'm saying that you cannot transform yourself. Okay? You cannot be one form and then then transform yourself into another form. Only God can do that. But God here is saying, through Paul, he's saying, I will transform you. I will take you from one form and then make you into a completely different version of yourself once you renew your mind. Once you renew your mind. So then Paul brings us home at the end of verse 2 because I, I, I brought to you this question, how is it that you know that you're spiritually healthy? Well, Paul alludes to that at the end of verse 2 where he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So spiritual health, comes, or spiritual health, is the ability to walk in step with the will of God. So once, once we stop, we, we, from, we don't want to be conformed, we don't want to be in step with the world, we don't want to be made in the image of the world, be a clone or uh, identical with the world, but we stop and we pray and we respond by changing our mind, renewing our mind, and thus being transformed by God, 
which brings us then spiritual health so that we can test and know the will of God. That's pretty amazing. But many of us don't take seriously this, this idea, or not this idea, this truth of being transformed. And now I'm, I want to be clear here. God offers each and every one of us grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is not based on works, but that is based on the free gift of grace and the reception of that free gift. And the Bible tells us that when we receive that free gift, that we are saved. That we are then justified because God no longer looks at us. He looks at His Son, Jesus. But God also calls us to righteousness. That's the process of sanctification. That's the process of growing in our relationship with God. Remember when I talked about uh, the definition of spiritual health? It's being transformed. It's a transformative, unadulterated, constant pursuit of God. God doesn't want you to just sit stagnant in your salvation. He wants you to grow and to experience transformation in such a way where you are no longer the same person that you were, but you've been transformed because you have changed your thinking, you have changed your understanding, because you've stopped, you prayed, and then you're chosen to respond to God's leading. One of the most um, uh, uh, striking images that I've seen lately is um, uh, this image here. And this is Captain Ruggiati, the day of the accident with the SS Torrey Canyon. So he's still in his, in his, um, uh, his clothes from when he was on the ship. And he's in the hospital. And here it is that, that he's, because of his inability to be able to step back, right, he didn't notice that the ship was on autopilot. And, and because of that, the ship was grounded and oil um, spurring out. And, and, and he wouldn't know this at this point, but, but as people were trying to salvage days later, lives were taken because of this. I mean, this is a decision and an inability for him to see the danger and to step back that resulted in one of the worst environmental catastrophes. And the day of it, of it happening, he's in the hospital and reporters come flooding in and start taking pictures. And he's just a shell of a man. And the only solace he can find is getting underneath his bed, getting into the fetal position, and not knowing what to do. This is what's at stake. Many of us Maybe not many of us, but some of us here this morning, well, okay, yes, I'll say many of us. Many of us become so prone to this planned continuation bias, we become so focused on where it is that we're heading that we don't realize the danger we're in. That we desperately need to stop, pray, and then respond by changing our mind and our understanding of who God is and what He desires for us. To be changed from the inside out, that's transformation, right? Have you ever seen a slow motion video of a popcorn kernel being popped? There's videos of it, so cool. Check this out. 
Now, that's such a beautiful picture of transformation because you take a popcorn kernel and then you take a piece of popcorn after it's been popped and they do not look alike. And literally, that piece of popcorn has been changed from the inside out. And that is what God desires for you and for me, is to change our way of thinking, to change our understanding. And some of you need to do that here today. I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads because we're going to pray a prayer here. I want to invite you to to hear these truths, to hear these these reimaginings, these these. Uh, reconsiderations of maybe what it is that you've come to believe because you've been in step with the world. But rather, God wants you to be transformed by changing the way that you think about these things. So listen to this. If you think you're unworthy, know that you're worth it. If you think that all is lost, know that everlasting hope can be found. If you think you'll never be forgiven, know that you already are. If you think no one loves you, know that the one Jesus Christ does. If you think you will never rid yourself of addiction, know that God is the only one who can break the chains. If you think that your marriage will never be whole, know that God can restore all things. If you think you will always be alone, know that there's never been a time that you were. If you think that you have all the answers, know that there is a God and you're not Him. If you think that your relationship with God will always be dry, know that the Holy Spirit can tear down the dam to release the rushing waters into your soul. And if you think that life is all about you, no. Know that Jesus' death was all about you. Father God, today is yet another opportunity that if we choose to take seriously, if people here can, can stop and to pray and to respond by changing our minds, by changing our understanding of your deep and ever-present love for us, your pursuit of us, and how that was so wonderfully and perfectly personified in the person of Jesus Christ, your Son, Lord, you provided us for a way to have life and life everlasting and a hope that will never fade nor diminish. That's the truth. And that by changing our mind, by renewing our mind, Lord, you will transform us into a person that we weren't before. That we will stand out from the world. That the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, would radiate through almost every pore in our body that people would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there's something different about us. And they would want that for themselves. Today is a day that we can just continue like we normally do. Wake up, get ready, have breakfast, come out to church, maybe shake a few hands, sit in a pew, listen to a message, go home, have lunch, continue on with our day and our week, do it again and again and again. Or today can be a day where we draw a line in the sand and we say, you know, I'm not going to just blindly continue down a path of destruction or despair or hopelessness. 
But rather, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say, God, I give you all of me, every single part. I'm going to change the way that I think about myself. I'm going to change the way that I think you think of me because I know that I have tremendous worth in your eyes so much that you sent your son to die for me. And that by renewing my mind that you're going to change me from the inside out and I'm going to be unrecognizable. Not for my glory, but for yours. This could be a day unlike any other day. But we have to decide. And I pray that we do. I pray this all in your your name. Amen.